1: welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico and I talk, once again, about gun violence and, for the first time, about the bravery of one sexual assault survivor who came forward. Then, Naomi Ekparrigan, Michaela Watkins, and Grace Para join in-studio to break down the difference between Hollywood's idea of a strong female character and what it actually means to be a strong female character. Then, as always, the hills will die on Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. If you want to submit a question for Dude You Asked, please send it to us at hysteria at crooked.com. You can also submit questions via Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to check out the segment on IGTV on Crooked Media's Instagram. I want to give a shout out this week to everybody who listens, who is a member of a union. We are a few days late from Labor Day, but unions are very important. I'm a member of a union and I uh, know a lot of people who are in unions. Go unions. OK, now let's get to the show. Hello. Hello. Alyssa, is that you? Tis me. Thank goodness. Um, I have a question to kick off our talk this morning. Hit me. Yes. Do you ever get deja vu? Yes, I do. Like in what context do you get deja vu?
2: I I have like these weird moments that like the (laughs) group, I can't believe I'm going to say this at like the grocery store when I'm in the aisle and I'm like, I think I've been here before, but not like, of course you go to the grocery store. It's almost like I had a premonition, uh-huh. you know what I mean? That I was going to be there. Or like, um, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm home, like in my, where I grew up in Rhinebeck, I'll, I'll have like these weird sort of things. Like I thought I was there before, even though like I, it always happens in places where I have been before, mm-hmm. but not, not doing that. So it's just called having a memory. no (laughs) don't take away my premonitions I'm Marianne Williamson today
1: no you are Marianne use your thoughts to get rid of hurricanes I don't know why people didn't think about that it's genius and it's working great honestly Alyssa and I'm just saying this like as a white woman I think that some white women are so empowered
2: that they're like ah am I magic she thinks she's magic. I feel like sometimes at Goop they think they're magic. Yes, exa- that's exactly <laughs> it. It's right?
1: like you are among a demographic that the entire patriarchy serves to protect, and you've taken that instead of concluding, "Wow, the system is fucked up," and I have a lot of unearned privilege. They think oh, I'm magic. I'm I'm magic. I'm going to think this hurricane away. Anyway, white women, as Naomi Ek would say. <laughs> um i know the reason that i uh brought up the deja vu thing is for something that is not fun um it's because i feel like i'm getting deja vu a lot of times when i read coverage of a specific type of news story um on saturday there was another mass shooting in odessa texas i feel like there was another mass shooting is something that is a sentence that's used way too often in america
2: Like almost at this point, it should be in today's mass shooting news.
1: Yeah, exactly. There should be an entire section of the newspaper that is like just shootings or a gun section. Here's what happened with guns. There was like it's like five percent of what happened with guns was like fun. There was a clay pigeon competition or whatever. And then the other 95 percent is like horrifying. Um, So uh, in Odessa, Texas, 21 people were injured and seven people were killed by um, a man who just kind of drove around randomly killing people. This is less than a month after mass shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas that left dozens wounded and countless more with long-term physical and mental health effects that come with losing somebody in a mass shooting, being in close proximity to a mass shooting, and in other ways, reckoning with gun violence. I think the kind of PTSD aspect of mass shootings is something that we as a culture haven't really fully even seen yet because there's a lot of people out there who are super traumatized by what's happening. So um, Alyssa, I truly hate that there's a part of my brain, like this morning when I was preparing for the show, I was like going through and trying to remember numbers of people killed in mass shootings. And I was like, I hate that this is how I'm using my brain. Like how many people died? Where was it? What context? Who was the person that did it? I, I hate
2: it so much. Do you know I have a good resource for you, so you don't have to remember? What is it? Have you ever followed Gun Deaths? No. I found it in doing research for our show today. Gun Deaths is a nonpartisan, non-advocacy website, and I found it on Twitter, where it just gives you straight truth about how many people were killed where, how, by who, Ammunition, guns. I mean, it's depressing as fuck, but it is it is a very uh, instructive and depressing uh, resource.
1: Mm-hmm. It can be the part of my brain that would store this information so that I can get it out of my brain. Ugh, it's horrible. It's um, horrible. What we usually do in these situations, Alyssa, as somebody who's been in and around politics for a long time, is nothing. Usually, what we do is just nothing. People tweet about it and then wait for it to calm down, but. Looks like Walmart is actually trying to do something. Alyssa, what do you make of what Walmart is trying to do?
2: So Walmart, you know, which has made it through Parkland and all these other shootings without doing anything other than what was it, removing violent imagery from like video game displays in the store, came out yesterday. The CEO came out and was like, okay, you know. Here's where we are. We like basically the CEO of Walmart said, we must do something. Um, You hope that Mitch McConnell is listening as the world's largest retailer. Walmart is the world's largest retailer, says we are no longer, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, we are no longer, they're no longer selling ammunition. Mm -hmm. And you can no longer open carry in their stores, even if it's legal where you live.
1: There's not selling specific types of ammunition. So there's short barrel rifle ammunition, which is used in AR style weapons. Um, And they're not selling. uh, They're not they're requesting that customers no longer open carry firearms in the stores, even in states when it's okay to open carry. Um, In the statement that the CEO, Doug McMillan, put online yesterday. I thought it was, you know how like when people release statements, there's always kind of like, there's a reason for the statement and you can kind of figure out the news behind the news. It's pretty obvious, the shootings in Odessa and El Paso and elsewhere. Um, But then there was a part of the statement that was like, we understand some customers are well-intentioned and open carrying, but it's causing people
2: fear. It's like, oh my Mm.
1: God, are people... Carrying 20, Oh my God. Yes.
2: So wait. That that and that segment of the statement is what sent me down a rabbit hole of research. Okay. Get this. According to gun deaths, since March of 2016, there have been five hundred gun incidents at Walmart stores across the country that resulted in 32 deaths and 215 injuries.
1: Oh my lord, Alyssa. Right? Yes. Well, I mean, this is one of those situations where it's like um, Doug McMillan did something which is better than nothing, but it's not necessarily good in the face of everything that he could be doing. Um, But I did see that our pal, um, Ms. Watts, was commenting on how this was a victory. And I saw that our non-pals, the NRA, was commenting about how this was a loss. So I think that it is a move in the in a positive direction.
2: Well, I have more to add to that. Okay. Because, so you recall after um, Parkland that Dick's Sporting Goods stopped selling, you know, like assault rifles. Mm -hmm. And they had a period of time when sales did dip, but they didn't care. Well, they have actually banned all gun sales now at Dick's. And the second quarter of 2019 was their strongest quarter, I think, ever. And their stock spiked. So it's like there's really no downside for these companies to stop selling fucking guns.
1: Yeah, it seems like the downside is nearly infinite and the upside is tangible. Like why choose like a tangible upside rather than like a potentially infinite downside instead of 500 incidents of gun violence on on Walmart property, which is crazy um ted cruz was flapping his gums about gun violence he tweeted a link on monday to a breitbart article i know i'm sorry flapping gums is like too evocative in reference to ted cruz (laughs) he looks like a gum flapper um he tweeted um on monday gun control doesn't work look at chicago disarming law abiding citizens isn't the answer blah blah i'm not going to continue quoting him um but the mayor of chicago lori lightfoot got involved and she um she responded that 60% of illegal firearms in Chicago actually come from GOP-controlled states like Indiana, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Um, and Lightfoot tweeted, uh, also, keep our name out of your mouth.
2: It's There is nothing worse that someone could say to you. Like, I read that, and I'm like, if someone told me to keep their name out of their mouth, I would— go into the fetal position. Like, I would just be like, oh my God, I'm sure he didn't take it the way I would take it, but I mean, yeah, she made her point. Ayanna Presley recently deployed a keep
1: my name out of your mouth and that, I could feel that. That was, that was really devastating. <laughs> that is a very devastating thing to say to somebody. I mean, Ivanka Trump has also kind of used Chicago as a talking point for gun violence. Uh, and, you know, that's not really an effective way to deal with it, as we've seen like pointing fingers at cities like Chicago and saying that it is like cities faults and cities are the ones that are in that are having the biggest problem. That's that's not correct. Um, here's what you can do about gun violence. Are you ready for this? Alyssa? Do it. Hit me. OK. Ninety three percent of voters support requiring background checks for all gun buyers. That includes eighty nine percent of Republicans. Hmm. Feels like a
2: feels feels like the will of the people
1: feels like a gimme. But here's the thing. How do the Republicans who represent those people feel when the Senate comes back into session, Republicans could have a chance to vote on H.R. 8, which is a bill to expand background checks. So we want to know where Republicans stand on the measure. And we need your help, listeners and your help, Alyssa, and my help. We can all do this. If you live in a state with a Republican senator, take a deep breath and get yourself nice and centered, and then call your senator and report back what you hear about where they stand on universal background checks and the NRA. Do you want me to give out the number? Do it. Okay. First, the Senate switchboard is 202-224-3121. Call that and ask for your senator. Say it politely like you're calling a friend's house and you're in elementary school. Like, hello, Mrs. Morgan. May I speak to... Adam? Yeah, exactly. You can practice in the mirror <laughs> like you're five. When they pick up, give them your name and where you live. Hello, Mrs. Morgan. May I speak to Adam? My name is Aaron and I live in Los Angeles. Why do you want to talk to my son? Uh, then politely ask the following Does my senator support universal background checks? Why or why not? Would they be willing to support HR 8 if it were brought up for a vote? Has the senator ever taken money from the NRA? And then. You can send us what they said in response by email or voice memo to hysteria at crooked.com. Or you can tweet at us using
2: the hashtag hysteria. So uh, we know where. Wait, but Erin, are we going to read some out loud? Are we going to read the good ones? Yeah. Oh, 100%. We get some good
1: ones. And if they're like good enough, I mean, you know what? Virality is is pretty democratic, and you could go viral. So, um, if you really want to target the root cause, just know we won't get any meaningful action on gun control until um Mitch McConnell is gone or grows a conscience. So you can also donate to the Get Mitch or die trying fund at votesaveamerica.com dot com slash donate because honestly, unseating him is more likely than getting him to do anything, anything, anything at all. Um, I wanted to transition really quick into another thing that's just kind of late breaking. Alyssa, do you remember um, the Stanford swimmer debacle?
2: Oh, you mean the guy who got no jail time? The judge was recalled because the sentence was so appalling and the woman they referred to as Emily Doe. Yes, yes. So I do.
1: Yeah. So you and I were texting back and forth about this 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 morning. The woman who was known as Emily Doe was known that way because she was anonymous. She was a survivor of sexual assault. Her real name is Chanel Miller. And she just came out publicly because mm. she's right. She's written a book. Um, Alyssa, what do you think about this?
2: Good for her. You know, I went back when we were texting about it and I reread her entire 13-page victim statement. Everybody should. Um, I think that when we get snippets of things in the news— we lose focus, like, of, of what really happened to her and the trauma that she endured, and the fact that so many people talked about him as the victim. She was the victim. Um, and I'm just, I am so proud of her. You know, she said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but that like she just couldn't be known as the girl they found naked behind the dumpster. Anymore, Which mm-hmm. is how she was routinely referred to in the media.
1: Mm-hmm. And Brock Turner, who assaulted uh, Ms. Miller, was 20 at the time. He was found guilty on three counts of a felony sexual assault, uh, for which the maximum sentence is 14 years. But he got six months and only served three. Um,
2: in, a jail. In, the county, in a county
1: jail. In the county jail. In the county jail. So it's exciting because uh, Chanel Miller now has this book coming out about how she's trying to heal in the aftermath of what happened and how she refuses to just be anonymous. And I remember when her victim statement came out and it was like, it was like just shockingly brave. Uh, And I remember it was, I believe it was read in Congress
2: Mm -hmm. I think it was.
1: Yeah, it was it was really, really brave and heartfelt. And it came in this moment of people kind of losing the humanity of people who um, were survivors of sexual assault. So it it seems like very timely and we're excited to read it.
2: And she's going to be she's doing her first interview on 60 Minutes this weekend. And for all the time that I spend watching Donald Trump on television, I am definitely going to tune in to see what she has to say. We should all support her.
1: Yeah, I definitely support her. And I think that, you know, we're running out of time today, but I think that that is our toast. We want to toast Chanel Miller for being such a totem of strength and bravery. And um, we are standing with you.
2: We're with you, Chanel.
1: All right, Alyssa, thank you so much for calling in. We'll talk again next week. and we're back we're at the part of the show where i gather a group of wonderful women to talk about things that we think about a lot <laughs> i want to introduce my panel before i get too far into it first of all back
3: from a long hiatus oh. grace para hi
0: how hi! Everything? Yay.
3: Great, uh, hi guys. I'm so glad to be here today. I, I'm writing on a new show on CBS, and it's been great and wonderful. And the hours have been, you know, good, good, but still like Which I, one? I I'm not here. I haven't been introduced. Oh, yet. yeah, it's called. And Michael hasn't been introduced yet. But it's called Broke. It's a uh, it's a multicam starring oh. Heine Camille and Natasha Leggero and uh, Polly Perrette. and it premieres in January. On CBS. Oh, that's fun. I'm very excited. Yeah, yes. so we're in pre-production now, and I uh, just turned in the outline for my episode, and I'll be off on script in the next few days, and mm-hmm. I'm so excited. So it's it's been fantastic, and I can't wait to update you guys on it. That's great. Yeah. That's really exciting. It's cool. Um, how are you doing managing your snacking? Well, um, so I keep my in-room snacking to just gum and apples, but I keep my meals as heavy as possible so <laughs> okay. that I get in all those nutrients, but not not intermittent. Now I do like the dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's, which uh, they have. bats up. They
1: have
4: them in every yeah, one. every single really writer's do. room. They
3: really, do. They I think really do. I think it's rude. It? <laughs> I but, think big peanut butter cup is is in our pockets for yeah, sure. Totally. But w- I love WGA WGA yeah. and like big peanut butter cup have yeah. some kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like you can't Can't work
3: unless there's a vat of them just waiting for you. That's like have four of me after lunch. Have four or five. I also have been eating so many Honeycrisp apples that I think my teeth are sensitive now. Has this happened to anybody? No. You eat so much fruit that your teeth. No, I've never
5: eaten that much fruit. I
3: I, 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 I didn't think it was possible, but I'm eating like two a day now, and and now my teeth are like just ouchie (laughs) ouchie. I don't know what it could be. Are you biting too hard? I might be grinding my teeth at night. I definitely am. That's probably. From all the anxiety of saying things like oochie ouchie
1: (laughs) on
4: public (laughs) platforms.
1: Okay, next up, we have writer, comedian, and host of the Couples
5: Therapy Podcast. It's Naomi Ekparagon. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm just still reeling from the idea of eating so much fruit that your teeth hurt. Can you? What is the opposite? I've had enough cheese that my stomach hurts. That's about as close as I can get to that emotion. But I respect your journey.
1: You know, the cheese stomach hurting thing, I feel really hard. Yeah. I grew up in Wisconsin with the highest possible tolerance for cheese, like optimal conditions. And I still eat so much cheese sometimes
5: that my stomach hurts. And it's worth it. Right. It's never like I never like even when I'm in the pain. I wouldn't do it differently. You know? <laughs> so so it's all like, this is, this is the price I'm paying, and I will pay on a daily basis. Right.
1: I paid, you know,
3: $7 for this wedge of brie, and also I paid stomach pain. Exactly. And that's part of the cost of it. I had a cheese stomach ache a week ago from Fresh Brothers. They don't sponsor me, but boy, <laughs> did I love that pizza. I had not had a pie from Fresh Bros that I ordered online, not through an app, but online, because you can get it extra crispy like in other words they keep it in the oven for a little bit longer so that cheese is a little bit crispier mm. and it's a game changer y'all <laughs> oh my god I'm hungry yeah <laughs> last but not least we
1: have actor comedian and generally a delightful person oh. Michaela Watkins
4: oh Aaron. oh <laughs> Aaron, that is the nicest thing you've ever said about anybody <laughs> in your entire life That's <laughs> true <laughs> that is true the nicest thing That's I've even nicest. thought it's the nicest thing <laughs> I even thought about anybody. Um, guys, I love a stew. I love a warm, Ooh. mushy food. I love baby food. If I <laughs> fit into an apple, half my teeth would probably fall out. <laughs> I'd like, uh, yes, I can't wait to be an old man.
0: <laughs> it's, it's
4: almost stew weather We're getting in I I'm mean, sorry oh. It's a
5: hundred degrees I've literally been sweating out All of my bodily fluids oh, yeah.
4: Yes We're gonna get into
5: stew I want stew weather now
4: I know I, I want too. stew weather I love how they're always like Fall fashion And it's a hundred and fifty <laughs> degrees out Back to school Turtleneck sweater Yeah. Right? Yep yep It's like kids playing
1: in
5: leaves What leaves? Yeah. What, <laughs> what do, do you imagine? You? In leaves. flannels and leaves yeah. When I was
1: a kid I always watched movies That took place in winter scenarios And I thought like this is not how people dress in the winter, because it would be like, it's winter. We're wearing a sweater and a scarf and some,
0: <laughs> and some gloves
1: and like regular shoes. Right. And I remember being like, who is making this? And now that I'm in L.A., it's like, oh, people in L.A. made those. Movies. Yeah, People
3: who've lived there for so long that they're like, how do you dress? You know what movie got it right, though? Have you seen With Honors? No, with Honor starring Brendan Fraser and uh, Moira uh, Kelly, it's and about, a Saint
4: Bernard dog. And,
3: no, <laughs> <laughs> it does have that vibe, though. It's it's about these, and Joe Pesci is in Joe Pesci plays his homeless
5: Ugh, dude. That is the '90s, right? It's there. so
3: mm-hmm. '90s, but it's about these these college kids, and Joe Pesci plays this homeless dude who lives in Cambridge. It's all like it all takes place at Harvard, and uh, and and they are the pastiest people because it's like in the dead of winter where they're mm-hmm. trying to finish their thesis, and they really get the pastiness right. Oh, they exactly. really get the like the, the thick chunky t- turtleneck sweaters and also the pastiness is like yeah. dead on. Remember, dead on.
4: Yeah. Conversely in LA they always when we shoot here and like you know they always think like oh California at night everybody's in a tank top it's like no or not <laughs> we're freezing at Yes, night. Yes we <laughs> are. Maybe not now during this heat wave but like normally you're yeah. hot you sweat your balls off all day long and then at night you're freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need yeah. a light jacket. Yeah, All the always, time. Always. Always.
1: Yeah. always a light jacket. Always. Anyway, uh, well, I'm glad we got that.
5: Out of the way. <laughs> food and weather. We tackled them. Food and, and weather. <laughs> um, controversial stuff.
1: Food and weather. The stuff that takes real strength um, this week we are going to talk about the subject of strength um, and strong female characters and what that means and one of the things that I um, was reading and, and looking into on the way in today was the story of the woman who was um, who survived sexual assault at the hands of Brock Turner the Stanford swimmer now listen I just got done talking about this but I'm thinking about her she came out she's writing a book her name' Chanel Miller and the amount of strength it took for her to get up on a witness stand and read a 13-page witness statement to him in the courtroom Mm -hmm. that went public and it went mega viral. And people, it really gave people some insight into what her experience was, even though that was like very vulnerable for her to do. I just, I think Chanel Miller is such an example of what strength is. And conversely, um, I've been seeing a lot of, you know, In this post-Me Too era, Hollywood trying to cash in on the idea of what a strong woman is. (laughs) And it's so vastly different than what a real strong woman is. So let's explore the gap between those two things. Um, Grace, I'm going to start with you since it's been a while since we've chatted. Yeah. Um, How would you define what it means to be strong in a real sense versus what it means to be
3: strong in a Hollywood sense? Um, I think that strength is something that can't be vocalized and the moment that you talk about how strong you are, it's almost like when people are like, I'm really talented, or classy. I'm really classy, I'm really pretty, <laughs> I'm really strong. It's like, you're kind of not. Um, I, I'm really chill. I'm really, yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly, yeah. it's dead on. It is something that you cannot buy. It's something that you have to earn. It only comes from experience. And um, along those lines, I had a conversation with a friend this weekend whose brother is dating a woman who's younger, is like twenty six. And the best way to describe her is that she's a life virgin. So this girl lived with her parents— up until recently, where she moved in with her boyfriend. So imagine living with your parents till you're 26, having everything taken care of, never having to pay a bill, never having you know the the, the duress of living life and having to take care of yourself, and then moving in with a man who then does all that for you. Mm. And he was talking about the strain in the relationship because this woman is is a life virgin and doesn't have experience. And I was trying to pinpoint exactly what it was that uh, that I think she lacked, and I think it's strength. I think it's when you don't have any sort of duress coming your way and any sort of negative experiences. Not to say that, like, everybody should go seek out shit to happen in their (laughs) lives, Mm -hmm. but it is only through those negative experiences that you gain strength. So if you're 26 and you've always had somebody taking care of everything for you, you probably don't have the life experience to have strength, and strength in turn gives dimension to one's character.
1: Mm -hmm. Naomi, anything to Mm -hmm. add?
5: To me, I've always thought that, like, strength is about, like, it is an inner core that is unshakable regardless of what is happening in your external world. Mm. The ability to say, this is who I am, I stand by it, or I apologize for it. You know, the ability to, without feeling like in doing so, um, you know, you're not trying to people please, you're not afraid, you're not, you know, running from something. Because I think that for so many people, regardless of gender, even though I do um, talk about it more with women... Um, so many of our things, it's not, it's never an isolated incident. It's always like an indictment of our character. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. meaning the core is so shakable. Whatever you're kind of feeling is like, you know, I am bad versus I did a bad thing, Mm -hmm. you know, or Mm -hmm. made a mistake, period. Mm -hmm. And to me, a big part of strength is being able to say like, you know, I am okay, regardless of what is kind of going on around me or regardless of what someone else is saying about me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, not being afraid to be a little messy, whereas I feel like, I don't know, you're talking about like Hollywood. Hollywood's idea of strength is like, are you a size six and you took your top off? You're brave. Or do you have a superpower? There's no in-between of just being a regular person. It's like, can you move a mountain with your eyeballs? That's a strong female character. It's like, I won't be
1: slut-shamed for showing you my magnificent breasts that now everyone else is going to feel pressured to have their breasts look like. I won't be slut-shamed for that.
5: It just, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, it's it's like the thing is, Hollywood is made by people, which we all know we're some of the people that help make it. And some of the people behind stuff have like really good intentions and have pretty good outcomes where there's characters. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a legitimately um, strong woman. I'm watching a strong person on screen. And then there are times where I'm just like, OK, so... Uh, she's at a bar and a guy cat calls her, so she karate chops him and mm-hmm. beats him up. And then the song, I'm Woman, Hear Me Roar, but like punk <laughs> starts playing. Like, okay, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> you lost me. Like, that's so pandery. I don't know. Michaela. what is your
4: concept of the difference between Hollywood strong and real strong? <laughs> you know, I think when I hear people say, like, if they're, um, you're being pitched about a strong female character— I always think it—it's just shorthand for we actually wrote a character. <laughs> um, it, so, like, I, it, that's this—that's the you know asterisk of strong. So, um, you'll like this. There's a strong female character. It's like, oh, why did you give her a point of view? Mm, um, she's not yep. just a body with a mouth, you know, and <laughs> like. Um, you know that it's funny, i my nephew and I do what's called Dinner in a Marvel" because I've not watched zero of the Marvel movies, and <laughs> he's watched them all and put them in chronological order from you know not when they were shot but the order in the story and the story oh, <laughs> the universe yeah. in the universe, yeah, so we kicked off last night with the first Captain America, you know, and I just was like, "Oh, this is a strong like this femme fatale strong woman, you know i was I was thinking about the the what that is and It's like, you know, there's so many different definitions of strong, right? For some people, strength is uh, admitting you're wrong, you know? For some people, that's a really impossible thing. They dig in so hard that it's really the hardest thing in the world to be like, you know what? You're right, I'm wrong. For others, it's the opposite, you know? It's admitting that you're right. For some people, it is so impossible to take. and, And so I think strength... Looks so different on every single woman. And so when I think of a strong female character, i, I have to I have to tell you this. Um, mm. I was reading a script recently, and um I took pictures of the way that um the women were introduced. Oh, oh yes, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Did you put this in your story on Insta, or in- I think I probably did. But it's there's just four quick ones. Yeah. But this is before I threw the script across the room. But <laughs> I got so excited because I was like asked to read the lead, and the person who wrote this—I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not going to shame them that hard, but they do teach writing, and I feel like I need oh. to backdoor shame them. Oh, who um, at a university in uh, the uh, the mid mid part of the heartland part of our country (laughs) Um, and and so this is uh the first one charlie's daughter anna 13 walks into the room anna is pretty and conservative looking okay well that's anna
5: yep 13 pretty oh she's pretty she's She's on on she's on
4: film conservative conservative looking Here's, here's the next woman that gets introduced um he's looking at a profile photo for splatterer this is a, I don't know, porn site or something. She's a pretty brunette with a smile that hints at a woman full of life. Um, that, I just want everybody to know that's a very playable action. Uh, hints. How, I can the do... The director. Can pot, you like, be a little more hinting at... A woman full of, of light. light. Yeah.
1: I think the more challenging thing would be to hint that you had no light behind your eyes. <laughs> like the
4: kind of empty grimace. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, have a smile that hints. That <laughs> the <laughs> that Ivanka stare. That you forgot to take your top off at Mardi Gras that one time. <laughs> um, his ex-wife, Deborah, 45, comes outside. She's extremely pretty. <laughs> but her hair and outfits make her seem very uptight. Which she is. Ah! Whoa. Yes. Okay. Um, and here's the last one. This is, this is the part um, that I uh, was going to, um, this is the one that really put me over the edge. And I was like, I need a Xanax and I need <laughs> to never look at this again. We are looking through a bar window from the sidewalk. Inside, we see Lisa Williams. This is the strong character, just so you okay. guys are strong aware. Character. Okay. okay. This well, is, she gets a last name. She gets so. Lisa Williams, 43. She's 43. Sipping a drink. She is quirky.
3: Oh. and
4: Stylish. Oh, uh. I just want to... This needs to come with a trigger warning. In a sleeveless black dress that most women her age could not pull off. Oh. Ah. I felt my
5: uterus drop. She's 43, you guys. <laughs> She's, She's oh 43, and she deigned she de- to wear. Dared to show her sleeves. She, sleeve- d- I mean, she did mean she dared to show her so, arms. Yeah. Wow. How could no, she? When you
1: talk about oh. strength, that's what I'm getting that's at. Brave. That's what we are. That's why
5: we're here. She's brave. She's brave. How dare she? <laughs> I mean, that she is dare. bravery. Lisa and Williams strength.
4: 2020.
5: What like she woke
4: up and was like, I I can do this? <laughs> Most women my age could never. You know, honestly, that's cocky. That's not strength, that's cockiness. Yeah, and that's not I don't that's as a, a little off. From my man's Just like, gaze, I don't
5: like that. Aww. Did something terrible befall her or did you like now I want to know how these women then um go on to live in the world of whatever of this well, project. I, do you know what I mean? Like I think like,
4: they so, freeze in place until right. a man enters the room, and then they animate, and they're like, and, right.
5: and then does a man yell at them, or do they yell at the man? You see what I'm saying? Because that seems to right. be the dynamic. Those are the two mm-hmm. options.
4: Well, I just here's the thing. I I feel like male writers need to understand everywhere. If, <clears throat> and I've said this before. If you have like a a big broad comedy, Zach Galfinakis is your is your lead man mm-hmm. and you've got like Adam Saylor, whatever your dreamcast is, and then you've got your lead female. And what happens so many times is when I read the female lead in these comedies, I'm like this is twenty percent as funny as the male leads. Like, yeah. if you can't, if you would be embarrassed to ask Zach Galifianakis to do your female lead part, you haven't written it well enough. So mm-hmm. you have to go back and 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 hit it again. And the the thing is, is that these female like guys need to understand this female. Women, we don't walk around the world only crossing our arm and having a judgment about men. We have other things that we actually think about right, and that yeah. occupy our brain space. Mm-hmm. So crossing our arms and looking at Like a man, can we bear
3: our shoulders? That's the
4: kind of stuff that <laughs> I'm thinking I about. Mean, if you're 42, that's, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that's a really good point, Michaela, that that a lot of male screenwriters can't. Understand a woman beyond what a woman thinks of them, mm-hmm. and a woman talking about them, and yeah. a woman like having the world revolve around them because their only really complicated idea of a woman, or their mo- the woman that they've known the best and the woman that they lo- they've loved the most is their mommy, mm-hmm. and so mm. they imagine that every single woman loves them like how their or thinks about them like how their mommy thinks of them. Mm-hmm. And in fairness,
4: when I was in eighth grade, it all I did think about was them. That's it. I had nothing else on my mm-hmm. mind except what Jason said that day mm-hmm. in gym class what <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and what he You're said afterwards. Yeah. You're saying it. your, like, childhood diary fails the Bechdel test? Oh, my God. My <laughs> diary. No, mine does, too, actually. Yeah, come absolutely. to think of it, for sure. Mine would spontaneously burst into Bechdel flames. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's... It, yeah. but But that's...
3: Guys, you know the one yeah. exception that we're seeing that I think is being overdone now? Have you guys seen the movie The Long Shot with Charlize Theron yes. and Seth Rogen? Mm-hmm. So, when you do have a kind of co led movie by a like two-hander, two, as a two hander, as we call it, in the biz. <laughs> a two hander, which sounds very sexual, it does. Um, <laughs> When you do have a two-hander and you're writing a strong female character, that female has to be a politician, has to be running for president. That's the only example of a woman who can, like, if, if you're going to exude strength or power, they have to actually be a person of power that in are, their profession. Mm-hmm. Monkey
4: brain can go like, that. Powerful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Exactly.
1: I mean, one, I think one exception to that is, um, I was just think I was racking my brain for women that were on film that I was like, this was a really strong woman. And I think the lead in Roma is a very, is a good example. Yes of like a strong woman Beautiful. and the yeah. example. they come around to her strength in a way that is very like nuanced and uh, and well, like she's very, um, she's very full of life, <laughs> uh, but she endures things that are these kind of private tragedies that all that, a lot of women endure in their lives, like losing a child, um, you know, having a man be very disrespectful toward her.
4: <laughs> and she endures them and is like so strong and so gracious. That's a great example. I just got back from Telluride Film Festival, and I know not mm. all our listeners give a shit about like film and television. But um, I just want to say that I couldn't get into my first choice film and got into this other film um, by this Filipino 25-year-old male director who took you through two hours of a woman who was beaten by her husband and the court, like how the court proceedings would work in this like small city in, in the Philippines. And it was mesmerizing. But a perfect example, like this woman is, you know, it's just makes soap. And she's going up against a system that is so overwhelmed to get her husband behind bars because he's beating her and her daughter. And mm. it, I was just like, it was infuriating, but that's such a great example of, and all these young male directors, they're actually, I shouldn't poo poo men and directors because there were a lot of young, incredible directors that were telling female stories in a that's really great. nuanced way. Right?
5: Can you? Here's a question. Something I always think, cause I feel like, you know, especially in portrayals of women, can you have a strong woman and not have pain because I find for instance like with black women in movies and like their leads in the story you know and it's like we're all it's like either a slave narrative or like my kids were stolen I've been you know beaten like can you and at least for me in terms of seeing a representation of my like culture and community I'm like a little tired of like the darkness of it Mm -hmm. um not to say that it's not you know accurate at times, mm. but just also in terms, of like, I guess, thinking about, like, what are the stories that get made and what can people latch on to? Mm-hmm. And I find it a little frustrating that people can seem to only latch on to, like, a black woman or mm-hmm. a woman of any color in on yeah. Struggle Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you got to tell that one. Well, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that
1: goes back to but, what Grace is saying. I'm so, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but she was saying that, like, what brings strength is people going through some kind of trial, and I think maybe the only trials that people are recognizing that a black woman would go through is, like, what we know from
5: history books. Like like, is there a way, that, but is there also, to me, I think there is something about, there is a strength in, I think, happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. Not one mm-hmm. that, like, denies reality, but, you know, in a world that says women can only be a certain way, mm-hmm. there is some, like, think about, like, Bridesmaids, for instance. Like, we loved seeing that crew of women, yeah, like, have fucking fun together. Wine yeah. country. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would, that, as you were talking, I was just thinking of Lizzo. Lizzo's performance yeah. at the MTV VMAs. <laughs> that big but. Jo- joyful, <laughs> joyful, yeah. pure, unadulterated joy and also strength, not necessarily with it, it within the presence of pain. It was just kind of like, yeah, here I am. Yeah. Here's my body. Here's yes. my voice. Here's how I feel. Here's all my dancers. We're taking our hair off where there's <laughs> a here. Here's a big butt balloon, yeah. which was so fun. The butt
4: balloon was awesome. Yeah. Man. The oh. butt balloon was awesome. That would be wow. the next bouncy castle at every Child's birthday. <laughs> um, I'm. I kind of want to have that at my wedding. For yes. sure. It's a
0: big
3: butt so, balloon. Yeah. So I hope it. she trades trademarks that balloon. It's very cool. It's <laughs> really
1: cool. Um, okay, so Michaela, you touched on the idea of strength sometimes being changing in changing your mind, and sometimes being in keeping your mind mm-hmm. the same way that it was. Can you think of um, examples of times that you've changed your mind and you've looked back and you've been like, that was an act of strength, or that was an act of weakness?
4: Oh, I mean, God, more, countless times. I mean, the very first time that I remember actively taking a stand and realizing I, I, I just um, I always felt like I was not a normal kid. I always felt that um, people were going to find out that my f- house was chaos. And <laughs> I really wanted to present well because I have um, a mom who was like always so concerned about what the neighbors might think um as she's gotten older that's totally gone out the window and now i'm worried about what our neighbors think about my mom but you're becoming um, your mom <laughs> you're the one that's aren't worried we all? your exactly. mom has passed the torch to oh, you oh yes we're all becoming our moms um so but i remember i went to summer camp and there was this girl and she was she would have been such an easy like summer camp target you know what i mean there was something about her where she um i i, I can't probably articulate what it is, but the really um, cool popular girls from the year before had gotten there early and I arrived and then this other girl had arrived. And um, so now it was the the two popular girls and me and then this other person. And when she walked out of the room, they kind of, you know, their lips snarled and they were ready to just Mm. lambast her and talk shit about her. And I said, oh, I... I think she's actually really really nice and I realized how it totally took the teeth out of everything in the room mm-hmm. and these two snarky shitty girls that I was so afraid of the year before were so alone in their in their judgment in in a and and they just the two of them just hung out together the whole summer <laughs> and I had the best summer of my life oh, yes. and I just I remember being that. like oh s- that was my first taste of standing up for the little guy uh-huh. because I always felt like I was the little guy and I realized like there's so much strength in yeah. little guy numbers <laughs> and then that kind of became my anthem. In yeah,
1: life. I love That's that. Really interesting because a <clears throat> lot of strength right now seems to be represented in culture and in politics as the person who finds the little person and beats the fuck out of them. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm.
3: what strength looks like to a, a Donald Trump type figure. I think mm-hmm. strength can also be, tell me if you guys think this is strong, because I think that strength can also be not saying something and can also be in the silence. Right. So I don't spend, I'm I'm really, uh, I do not spend a lot of time on Instagram anymore and I'm really happy about it. It's been <laughs> great for my life and Jenna highly recommend it. But I was on a few days ago and I was just scrolling through some shit and I found this picture of, this girl that I know and it was just you know it's just like a string of just like sexy pics like here I am in my bikini and I'm just so attracted and whatever and I had the impulse to text a mutual friend and be like oh my god I haven't been on Instagram in days and this is what I see and I didn't fucking do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I feel like that took straight I thought it I thought it Mm -hmm. and I'm probably a worse person for having thought that and (laughs) definitely a bad person for talking about it on a a podcast but I didn't in the moment I was like no Grace because then you're just perpetuating gossip Mm -hmm. then you're the person who's instigating these kinds of conversations just you can have the thought. It's fine. We all do. But don't do anything with that thought. Mm-hmm. And so in not saying something, I felt like there's a little bit of exhibiting strength.
1: Yeah. It's like the Mike Birbiglia quote, what I should have said was nothing. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. sometimes is like the case. What yeah. you, What I should have said was nothing. Naomi, do you have a moment that you remember like from your formative years of <laughs> being a, a moment that you stood up or a moment that you were like, I'm backing off?
5: Oh, I should have come prepared with a tidbit, but I didn't have one. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I've actually been like dealing with it for the last week or so. I am not answering your question, but I'll tell you where I'm at because it does dovetail. Good. <laughs> because I was talking to my mom last week and we were having a chat and then she was just like, you know, how are you, how are you, you know, how are you liking this business that you're in? Because I think it was very, even though I've always been creative, the idea of actually making it a job, like I think none of us saw coming. And mm-hmm. so she was just kind of whatever, and I was like, Yeah, I was like, it's fine. You know, like, like whatever But then she goes, <laughs> she's like Well, that's good because, you know, you've always seemed a little weak to me. (gasps) And I just don't, you know, and I just worry about you and whether this is going to be the thing. Um, And it's been ringing in my ears since then. And sort of, I guess to answer, you know, and the reason why obviously we're talking about strength, weakness, but then also thinking back where I'm like, she says that and I kind of like look back kind of real quick, quick life rolodex. And I'm like, the thing is, I've always been a very sensitive child, Like, I am quick quick to cry. Oh, Mm -hmm. loved it then, love it now. (laughs) You know, um, but I don't know. Like, I was always a very, like, I was afraid of stuff. I was, like, afraid of, I was afraid of people. I was afraid of new situations. Um, But I never really, like, it took me a while. Like, when you say formative years, I feel like the idea of, like, standing up or saying this is who I am kind of, and we're, and I'm not going to change it for you. It took way longer. It mm-hmm. took way longer. I definitely spent... And I, def, I wasn't... I was not, you know, joining bullies or anything like that. I just separated myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, in the corner reading a book. Mm-hmm. It was just, like... I don't even know how to begin with this situation.
1: <laughs> do you think, though, that your childhood of being, like, sensitive and very, like, aware of, like, pain and easily hurt and stuff is now sort of a strength for you? Because you're a person who's a writer and, like, a prof- you're, like, a professional observer. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. a, a, a professional observer and, like, crystallizer and, like, feeding it back to people in a way that's funny. And in order to do that, you have to have—you have to be, like, deeply sensitive to— what's gone on around you. So do you think looking back that that's something that
5: is a strength for you now? I think so. I think so. I think that I think it's a strength in the doing of the work right itself, like creating things and, you know, being able to do that. But I think everything else around it, that's where it kind of fucks me up Mm -hmm. because it's still, you know, I'm in this position where um, gatekeepers are still calling the shots and deciding. And then I'm like, And that I haven't learned to kind of fortify myself against. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I haven't figured that out. Um, And I must soon. I must (laughs) soon for sanity. For sanity.
4: I
1: mean, I think that that's—it's hard to be somebody who tries to be creative or put yourself out there in any way, whether you're in entertainment or any other field where you're putting yourself into your work. Um, Because then when your work is rejected, even if it's for reasons that are apart from the actual quality of what you're doing— You have to have the strength to understand that even though you put yourself into it, it's not yourself. That is getting rejected. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to you almost have to have like an emotion you have to be deeply emotionally disturbed in <laughs> order <laughs> to, do, to compartmentalize yes. enough that you're like, I'm putting myself out there and they're like, we don't want that. You're like, that wasn't me <laughs> that I put out there. I'm fine. I'm fine. I've always been fine. Um that's like it's a hard thing to deal with. And I was just thinking about uh the idea of like standing up for yourself and Naomi as you were talking about like weaponizing your, you know, intellect or whatever. I remember being in high school, maybe my senior year, and I was always kind of a like under the breath, wisecracker, but I was usually like a good I was well behaved and never went to the principal's office except because the principal wanted to read the college recommendation letter he wrote for me out loud to me to get my approval before he sent it. Wow. Um, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, I was that kind of a uh, that kind of a kid. But you know, I um but I do remember my senior year, there was a couple girls that were a little younger than me who um, I fell in with who thought it was funny when I said the like kind of quiet wisecracks like loud. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they could be a little bit mean. I never was like a bully I never ever targeted somebody that I thought was weak but I would always aim my like cunty comments mm-hmm. at like you punched up it, yeah like idiots mm-hmm. who I thought kind of had it coming mm-hmm. and you know I don't know if it's necessarily the best look I have kind of made a, a career of it but um, <laughs> sometimes I think I think back on like the way that um, a person's strengthened
4: like intellect can be used and I'm not sure that that's like the best possible <laughs> way to do it well, you know, I was at a dinner recently and a very, very high powery exec um, said to me, she'd had a couple, it was very sweet. She just <laughs> said, can I ask you a honest question and, you know, a, kind of a personal question? And I said, go ahead. And she goes, why do you, like she was referring to Twitter and, and social networks and my political activism. Why do you think anybody, why do you think you need you personally need to state your opinion um, to the world. Like, why do you think that is something you have to do? And the right answer was like, (laughs) why do you think you, why aren't you? You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, But the answer I said is, I said, okay, here's my answer right now, which is, You know, truthfully, when you grow up learning about the Holocaust and you see it again and everybody always says, what would you have done if Hitler, if you were around during Hitler? Like, I guess I'm finding out what I would have done, which is, you know, I'm speaking out against it. And if me speaking out against it allows somebody else who's afraid to use their voice as well, you know. I, I dig her and if she's doing it or or I don't dig her, I think she's kind of piss weak. But she if she's doing it, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, then um, then surely I can, too. And I said, I think that when you learn about how terrible things happen in history, it's because not enough people said no early enough, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I wrote an op ed recently for my local paper in Syracuse, where I grew up, Syracuse, New York, and it was calling out the congressman there uh, who I obviously didn't vote for because I don't live there. Um, but I was saying how I felt like he was a real stain on the city because he voted against the resolution to condemn Trump's racist remarks um, and calling it just like political theater and things like that. And then of course, a week later, two um, or two, two mass shootings happened sort of, you know, adjacent to his comments. Right. So um, I had, but before the mass shootings, I had written this op-ed calling it out and the vitriol and the rancor that I received back was so overwhelming. But at the same time, I found out my strengths because I knew I was right and nobody was defending Katko's position. They Mm -hmm. were just instead instead assailing and attacking my character. And I felt so strong in that Mm -hmm. moment because I was like, I know I'm right. Mm -hmm. And I know that Uh, this is where I want to stand in the face of history, and you can say anything you want to me. I have no problem defending. You know those that are being attacked right now, mm-hmm. and and you're the ones that look stupid. Was it all was it all via social media, like people reaching out and just giving you? No, it was like comments in the paper. You know? Oh my God. I mean, you know, they first they posted online, and then they oh, and yeah. then they published it in the paper. And and then the head of the Republican, uh, the county commissioner of the Republican Party, wrote a retort, and you know, again, assailed my character. Instead, not knowing me, and he made one good point: "What have you done for Syracuse?" You know, and I'm like. Yeah, you're right. Ben like, Cool, <laughs> yeah. Unlike him, I don't know, Been but I'm like, not a stain on right, the city. Right. But if if you know the city's going to write articles like local gal, you know, does this or that, I'm like, well, here's what the local gal thinks of the local yeah. gal yeah. Right, a good yeah. for them for publishing you, but yeah. also, oof,
3: well, if I'm trying yeah, that. Yeah. I mean that's
1: it. That's a good segue into <laughs> kind of what strength means in this current political mm-hmm. moment. Grace, you've done some like activism and stuff. What is what does strength look like to you? And then, and when do you
3: take a break and regroup? I think that um, it's the point at which you feel overwhelmed with vocalizing your opinions that it's okay to allow yourself to take a to take a break. Um, I agree with Michaela that things need to be said, and I I think everybody who feels like they are on the right side of history has a platform and you know that platform might just be free twitter.com but that's an opportunity for you to to, to speak your mind and do it by all means but I do think that we're reaching a point of um saturation and I mean individual saturation I don't care about how much uh, individuals are consuming obviously like you have to you know put stopping points on those in your own daily life but um I, I think that as far as those of us who are active out in the world and social media, it, it becomes overwhelming at some point. And I don't know that I anticipated that at any point or early on, especially like in the early days of like Facebook or whatever, which is kind of fun and it's kind of an addition to your daily life. But now it's kind of overtaken how we spend our hours. It's very quick to get caught up in that um, maelstrom. And I, yeah, so I I think that there is some strength uh, again in like not 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 saying the thing, but in understanding your limits. Um, to be able to say what you want and also pull back to live a life outside of social media. Mm-hmm. I know that that's very that's very vague and very broad, but I've seen a lot of people do it. I mean, I feel like I'm going through this a withdrawal in many ways of social media as well. I don't spend as much time doing it, and it's been awesome. It has been awesome, and that's not to say that I'm less active or less interested in vocalizing my point. But I have I have to do it for my own sanity. I mm-hmm. have to do it for my own mental health, um, and so. What that allows me to do in turn, I think, is to spend more time sitting in my thoughts and ideas. like. I don't know necessarily what, what's going to become of those ideas, but it might be that it's, you know, not a tweet that I send out or not a, a retort that I send out, but maybe like, you know, a script that's written in a year, or it may be like a, a lyrical dance that I create in five years. <laughs> oh, I've never y- created one. Five but- yeah. we, why five years? Why would been, you deny? i <laughs> promised an interpretive dance to the theme song for the New York Times podcast for quite some time. The Daily. It's true. I promised this early on. Aaron was like, you can be on this podcast, but I need that. Dance. I need the dance. <laughs> I need the dance. You know, I did, I don't like
1: to put due dates on things, but like, because I'm like a cool boss, but um, I need the dance. <laughs> um, I, I think like, you know, when you talk about political activism, I, um I've never canvassed be- before. Mm. I have like phone banked, but I've never canvassed before. And I think that the strength that it takes to canvas is, like, a really good example of, like, the sort of thing that we need. It's, like, the strength to go up to somebody and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. who are you going to vote for? I'm just here reminding you that, you know,
3: Katie Hill's cool. Yeah. You know, vote for Katie Porter, or you know, whatever region of the country you're in. And can I also add to that, seeking out the um, not the more under the radar ways to uh to speak out, like Michaela, that story of you going to your hometown newspaper and, and writing for them is awesome. It's not just like I'm on Medium.com or whatever, this kind of generic thing, or it's not just like I'm donating to the ACLU, which everybody should, of course, but like those <laughs> traditional paths. Like I found this organization, the domestic, the National Domestic Workers Alliance, which I'm so excited to start working for, uh, and I've had a, a couple conversations with them in the past few weeks and I don't know exactly in you know in what way that's going to manifest itself but that's an organization that took me a little bit of time to find that wasn't presented to me and that I don't, I don't think a lot of people know about yet so I, I think that's also a form of strength it's like find you have to put in the work to find an organization or to find an outlet to find a platform that not everybody else knows about that you might be able to shed some light on mm-hmm. not just because it's like oh I listen to this band that nobody else does that makes me cool <laughs> mm-hmm. but because those it takes a little bit more effort. It takes a little bit uh, a little more time to, mm-hmm. to do that.
5: Well, yeah, to just have conversations, you know, the work of having conversations with people who do not agree with you and being able to have that conversation calmly. To mm-hmm. me, the strength yeah. is kind of like the response, yes. you know, kind of off what you're saying, Grace, about like not the silence or not saying something, but also being able to, like, being able to take somebody's heat, their feeling, mm-hmm. and again, like you said, with your story, yeah, with the op-ed you wrote where you were like, no, I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, OK, bring it on. Mm-hmm. I can stand in all your bullshit because I'm here. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, depending, because some people just want to fight for real. Mm-hmm. And there are other people who, you know, when you can be a little cool and calm, mm-hmm. you can actually start to have a conversation mm-hmm. and kind of unpack, you know, why do you feel like this is the only president we should be having right now? You know what I mean, like kind of, kind of get underneath. Now, does that mean like one conversation is going to change how someone votes? But it may change the way they view other people in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially like going out and doing stand up and doing stuff, and you know, I can tell when you know, an audi- audiences are like. I'm not used to hearing a black lady comedian mm-hmm. or a black lady talk to me this long. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or like I could <laughs> tell when it's like, like I had somebody at the show where he was like, I'm so excited for the show. And like it was like in his like Twitter bio, it was like recovering racist or something where like he had grown oh. up like in a, in a mm-hmm. place where it was like everybody was racist and that's how we were. Mm-hmm. Or like whatever. And how like he's obviously moved past that. But like how it was, you know... A, at least the impression I got a little bit was, you know, how hearing different comedians and hearing different things kind of opened him up to different people and like the joke and like, you know, and not everyone's going to be that way, but it's like there is something to be said for being able to talk and engage and do this stuff Uh, Either with some chillness or with some levity that can open people up to hear the hard part, Mm
4: -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. they hear the human. Yeah. And not the talking point. Right.
3: Putting yourself out to, as a a creator and as a performer yourself also, putting yourself out to audiences that might not be so open, that that might not be the kind of traditional audiences that you've heard as well. Uh, or that you speak to as well, I think, is a form of strength, too, you know, because it's like you, you you, as a creator and as a performer knowingly go into situations where you're like, I don't know how this is going to be taken, but let's let's do it yeah. anyway. Rather than, you know, like this goes back to the, the the argument that I think a lot of people are having stand up saying, like, I'm not going to be talking in front of college campuses anymore. I'm not going to do it. Everybody's too sensitive. That's weakness, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's weakness. I mean, I understand the argument there, but I also think that it takes strength to be like, you know, what I might not get the kind of response that I'm looking for, the kind of the kind of uh, accolades that I want, that I'm accustomed to, but I'm going to do it anyway because what I'm saying I think is important, and the act of me doing this is an art that I love. Yeah, I mean, sometimes
1: the the most the most. Uh Dramatic act of strength is just the strength to be yourself and Mm -hmm. understand that people aren't going to like it, and be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going into a place where people aren't going to like me, but I'm like Naomi you were saying earlier, like I know who I am, and the reaction to me doesn't affect who I am as a person. Um, That's all the time we have because we have to get to the hills. We'll die on. We'll definitely.
3: <laughs> we do need a theme song. For we Hills, do. Hills Die I'm
1: shocked that you and Gailey haven't made up a theme song yet. Okay, well, it's going to happen. Kieran now. kind of like also harmonizing. Yeah, either. we're going to do um, that. We got to we got to do a Hills Will Die on theme song. We have to take a break. Um, we'll definitely revisit this topic because I think there's a lot to get into. Yeah. Thank you guys. We'll be right back.
0: The Legend of Cayman Jack
1: Okay, we're back. We're at the part of the show where we have really strong opinions, strong opinions (laughs) about things that aren't really that important. It's The Hills We'll Die On. Let's get started with our listener hill. Hi, I'm Ivy, and my hill is that every bathroom should have a hook for your bag, Mm -hmm. especially a porta potty or an outhouse. Mm. That nasty-ass floor is not getting my fancy purse put down on it, because if
5: I'm at an event... This porta potties lined up. I'm not putting my bag down. So, what are you gonna do? Every bathroom should have a hook for your bag. Period. <laughs> I am dying on the hill forever.
1: <laughs>
5: I mean, I I'm not sounds pl- weary. <laughs> <laughs> it's broken her. This is broken yeah. her.
4: <laughs> Shoot good for Ivy, guys. Oh, she is weary, but you know what? Here's she's a- on day 17 of a hunger <laughs> strike.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's like, they my better, help. at stagecoach, they better have hooks on the thing. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, one way to get around that is if you anticipate that you'll be in a dirty bathroom situation, it's a mini backpack. You can mm-hmm. just wear it on your front when you oh, sit on Oh, that's there. smart. Or a fanny pack. Or a fanny. Ah, uh, fanny pack's too close to the fanny action. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you got you to hike it up <laughs> over the booth Yeah, so you want to keep that. Yeah. You want to keep those mm. things away from each other. Okay, here's the hill I'll die on this week. Mm. It is by accident, not on accident, <laughs> oh, okay, yes, yes, by yes, yes, accident. Yes. I have said, I've heard powerful <laughs> people who absolutely should know better, yeah. saying that they did something
5: on accident. What is it? Is it a regional thing? Yeah, That's what I wonder. Is it like because I'm like, what? Where's on accident?
4: Yeah, you could also
3: say accidentally. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
3: I did that this. also. Work. I
4: accidentally. I forgot. think it probably is derivative from on um, purpose. On accident. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. Sure,
5: still sick. Still wrong. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Incorrect.
1: It is by accident, not on accident. And if you ever use on accident around me, I will by accident walk away from you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the hill I'll die on this week. That's a good, good one. one. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, let's see.
5: Naomi, do you want to go? Okay. <laughs> you know I'm livid. <laughs> I told Aaron, I was like, Aaron, I already have my heel because i just been stewing. <laughs> you told me this last week. Yeah, literally. Livid. Okay. We all know about the young woman who was doing a hunger strike outside of the Netflix office for the OA not being renewed. Now, I won't say what white nonsense is this. <laughs> I won't say it. What I'm going to say is we got to let go of the, like, saving shows and feeling like if a show doesn't go on anymore, like, with everything going on in the world, you stressing over AP Bio? Okay, no, look, (laughs) good program, Everybody Thriving. Don't get me wrong. My point being, though, that, like, we can't have all the shows. You don't think I want to know? whatever happened with Angela Chase and Jordan Catalana? (laughs) You don't think I needed two more seasons of Ricky finding himself on my so-called life? Yeah, I wanted that shit. Yeah. But I didn't get it. And you know what? I'ma be okay. (laughs) And the fact that we out here losing our minds every time a show get canceled and I get it like when you're the creator, you know what I mean? Like then they kind of post and they're like, jobs, my livelihood, Mm -hmm. but like homegirl sitting at home who just said, oh, I ain't gonna eat. When I saw her (laughs) ass, she was on day 10. I don't know if she's still out there, but I was living. (laughs) And I need us to just stop and say, you know what? Write some fan fiction if you need it to go on. It's not happening anymore, and you will be Okay, (laughs) I'm done.
4: That is a perfect example of like Mike Mike Barbiglia's quote about sometimes, because I saw that too. And I, oh man, Naomi, I was so mad. And I was like, well, I've never actually seen the OA. Would I feel this way if I had? What does OA stand for? Outfield Angels?
5: <laughs> what is it? you is just pick two random like words? The movie Angels in the Outfield, you inverted to Outfield. Ocean appetizer. Is that what it stands sure. for? I don't know. I mean, some woman's starving herself, and I don't know what it's about. And even though in real life it's like Overeaters Anonymous. And so the fact that she's oh, starving herself, even no. though that's not what the show is about, it's not. The show is not that, but like Orange. there's a group. So it's like layers where I'm like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> OA, oh, hey, you're not eating. I'm stressed out. The show is probably fine. Maybe great. Yeah. That's not the point, though, right? It's not not about the value of the program because a lot of good programs leave us Mm
1: -hmm. and a lot of bad programs stay. (laughs) Octagon asparagus.
5: That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's, That's what it's about. about. It's about octagon. It is. It's when
4: you um, God. try to make it look like you ate more asparagus than you did by putting <laughs> in the shape of an octagon. And I'm you all... go, mm, I'm full. I couldn't possibly have any more. There's
3: just stakes <laughs> in that
2: show. <laughs>
3: Characters for date. Uh, okay. Uh, Grace, you're in the middle of a drink, but I'm going to. You know what? Mine's very simple. Mine's very simple because I really, d- I need to just applaud Naomi for that. It was
5: perfect. And <laughs> I really you. agree. It's rage really that great. runs me. That's very kind. Mm-hmm.
3: Um uh my, mine is simple um I've decided that the hell I'm going to die on is people shit on it but cleaning out your ears with Q-tips mm-hmm. is one of the top 3 most satisfying things <laughs> You can do with your body. Yeah.
4: I'm not saying it's number one. I did
5: not know where it was going. <laughs> I didn't know you were I going.
4: I loved that. I mean, that is a show I would starve myself to renew.
5: <laughs> I'm not saying
1: it's number one. Yeah, if they discontinued Q tips, I would be like, oh. I'm not eating until they're back. <laughs>
3: it is, I I heartily agree. I know. Okay, maybe one person burst their eardrum or whatever because they got a little OA. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I get
4: it. I, I like it. Yeah. I it feels good, it's satisfying. You look at that q-tip and you're like, thank God I did that. I know. What was in there? For but days? I always think that I'm like simultaneously shoving more wax deep into like the little hole that it came out of. You gotta you yeah. gotta
3: have some tender
4: graciousness with the q-tip. <laughs> you gotta just, just there's an art to <laughs> it. If you,
3: know, if you notice, notice the wax. I'm also I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. You gotta massage I'm also massaging the q-tip with mm. my Wow. It's
4: very Grace delicate. is making a
5: rolling motion with her fingers I'm making to indicate roll. the motion She's the drawing it out Correct. like
4: a wax whisperer. Correct.
1: <laughs>
3: Correct.
4: <laughs> wow. Okay. We
1: got deep into Grace's ears. Um <laughs> on that I've one. Got great ear health, guys. That's I'm
4: sure you do. Um, Michaela, do you want to bring us home? Okay. My hill is this. Um, when you get in the car and you plug in your iPhone. And the decibel level of that song that starts with an A uh, goes up to 150. It used to be A, B, C, it's easy as well, you know, because oh, yeah. that was the first song. I had to delete it off my phone because <laughs> I was yes. going to blow my brains out. And so now it's I'm absolute beginners, which I was like, hey, <laughs> Bowie, I can handle you. Uh, we're going to do this. But I know Apple Is there an Apple song that they just want to play? Starts with A. That is just so easy on the ears, so that when you get in your car, they have the ability to not make me listen to the first song on my iTunes. There is
5: some sort of thing where you can like download a track that's Mm -hmm. just literally like A A A, and Uh it's like silent for two minutes until you can kind of figure out what you want to do. Do you know what I mean? So it's basically like you're playing silence on your phone. It's like room tone, basically, basically, so that you're not coming into like whatever song. What if there was like
4: one that was like. A, a a affirmations and you get you are so
5: wonderful. <laughs> okay, literally in that voice right now. You have to make this. You have to record oh this God. and make this. Are a good driver. <laughs> <laughs> e-
4: excellent hair today. <laughs> you have so many friends who love you. <laughs> you can show your
3: shoulders in that. Shirt. Even as a 45 year
0: <laughs> old.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a great note to end on. Yeah. Um, Michaela, Naomi, and Grace, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you to Alyssa Master Monaco for calling in. There will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of crooked media. Caroline Reston is our producer, our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week.